So the reading is um, from Jeremiah chapter six, starting at verse six, uh, chapter three, sorry, starting at verse six and going on until chapter four, verse four. So that's Jeremiah three, verse six to chapter four, verse four. And it's on page 762 in the church Bible. The Lord said to me in the days of King Josiah, have you seen what she did, that faithless one, Israel, how she went up on every high hill and under every green tree and there played the whore? And I thought, after she has done all this, she will return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister, Judah, saw it. She saw that for all the adulteries of that faithless one, Israel, I had sent her away with a decree of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she too went and played the whore. Because she took her whoredom lightly, she polluted the land, committing adultery with stone and tree. Yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah did not return to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, declares the Lord. And the Lord said to me, Faithless Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say... Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look on you with anger, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt that you rebelled against the Lord your God and scattered your favours among foreigners under every green tree, and that you have not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. Return, O faithless children, declares the Lord, for I am your master. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And when you have multiplied and increased in the land in those days, declares the Lord, they shall no more say, The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It shall not come to mind or be remembered or missed. It shall not be made again. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all nations shall gather to it, to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem, and they shall no more stubbornly follow their own evil heart. In those days, the house of Judah shall join the house of Israel, and together they shall come from the land of the north to the land that I gave your fathers for a heritage. I said, how I would set you among my sons and give you a pleasant land, a heritage most beautiful of all nations. And I thought you would call me my father and would not turn from following me. Surely, as a treacherous wife leaves her husband, so have you been treacherous to me, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. A voice on the bare heights is heard, the weeping and pleading of Israel's sons, because they have perverted their way. They have forgotten the Lord their God. Return, O faithless sons, I will heal your faithlessness. Behold, we come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Truly the hills are a delusion, the orgies on the mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. But from our youth, the shameful thing has devoured all for which our fathers labored their flocks and their herds, their sons and their daughters. Let us lie down in our shame and let our dishonour cover us, for we have sinned against the Lord our God, we and our fathers, from our youth even to this day, and we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. 
If you return, O Israel, declares the Lord, to me, you should return. If you remove your detestable things from my presence and do not waver, and if you swear as the Lord lives, in truth, in justice, and in righteousness, then nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. This is the word of the Lord. Hi there, my name's Johnny, and I'm married to Ruth. I say that not to brag, but because it's actually relevant to this evening's message, as we'll see in a bit. Uh, This evening, we're going to hear the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord over two and a half thousand years ago, and we'll hear what he said in just a moment. But before we begin, let's pray for God's help. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this privilege of hearing you speak to us. We confess that we're not worthy to stand before you and we tremble at your word and we pray our Father, please would you open our ears and prepare our hearts to receive your instruction in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Why would you return to God? We have turned away from him, haven't we? God created us and he loved us like a man loves his newlywed wife. God loved us long before we ever loved him. A bit like I loved Ruth long before she ever loved me. And I probably bought her an engagement ring a bit prematurely, but that's a story for another time. Um, However, I loved Ruth in the hope that she might one day love me too. And God loved us with a similar hope. God is like a husband who's always faithful and he wanted us to be his faithful bride. He wanted us to love him and to live according to his law because he knew that that would be best for us. His law was like a path leading us to a beautiful garden, and he wanted us to walk along it with him, hand in hand, until we entered paradise together. But we turned away from him. Studies estimate that 20% of married people cheat on their spouse, and like an unfaithful wife leaving her husband, we turned away from God, and loved anything else besides him. And we wouldn't look to gods to make us happy, but to gods of our own making, whether it be another religion, an ideology, or money. So why would you return to God? God wants us to acknowledge our guilt, that we've rebelled against him, that we've been like an unfaithful bride. He wants us to admit that we've disobeyed his voice. But why would you do that? Wouldn't that just end in you feeling guilty, ashamed, and degraded? And perhaps you've heard the church's corporate confession, and you think, I don't want to admit that I'm guilty. Or perhaps you're aware of Christians confessing their sins daily to God, and you think, I don't want to be constantly ashamed of what I've done. As a culture, we can be pretty slow to confess our sins to one another, can't we? And perhaps, like me, you find that a hard thing to do. Um, And perhaps you think, 
Much better just to pretend that I'm a good person. I just carry on on the path that you've chosen in life and don't look back. Why would you return to God? Well, in the days of King Josiah of Judah, that's around 625 BC, the nation of Israel had long since turned away from the Lord. Jeremiah reports in chapter 3 and verse 6 that the Lord said to him in the days of King Josiah, Have you seen what she did, that faithless one, Israel? How she went up on every high hill and under every green tree and there played the whore. Israel hadn't just been like that 20% who cheat on their spouse. She'd been a prostitute. Uh, Not a prostitute who's forced into it against her will, as often happens nowadays, but one who'd willingly turned aside from the Lord to any religion or ideology that would repay her with a sense of security or satisfaction. And so, back in 720 BC, the Lord had divorced her. He'd sent her away into exile. Israel had been captured and carried off to Assyria. Meanwhile, Judah, to the south of Israel, had seen all this happen to her sister in the north. And she saw, according to the Lord in chapter 3 and verse 8, that for all the adulteries of that faithless one Israel, I sent her away with a decree of divorce. Judah had seen her sister Israel being sent away from God because of her faithlessness. And through these words of Jeremiah, God was calling her to return Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord, according to chapter 3 and verse 12. And through these chapters in the book of Jeremiah, God is going to call us to return to him too. Why would you return to God? Why would you acknowledge your guilt, that you've acted like a prostitute? Why would you admit that you haven't obeyed his voice? Well, the first half of the answer is this. Because God's kingdom will come. Why would you return to God? Because his kingdom will come. At that time, according to chapter 3 and verse 17, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord. A return to God and his throne, his kingdom will come. Uh, Last year, during the Platinum Jubilee, uh, Ruth and I were in Italy. Um, In fact, uh, ironically, at the same time, they were celebrating the day that they got rid of their monarchy in La Festa della Repubblica. And to Republicans, the promise of a kingdom might not sound very appealing. In fact, even for ardent royalists, it might not seem like a good enough reason to acknowledge your guilt and unfaithfulness and return to God. But there are two features of God's kingdom that make it unlike any other. At first, faithlessness will be healed. And second, all nations will be blessed. So first, faithlessness will be healed. The Lord says, according to chapter 3 and verse 22, Return, O faithless sons, I will heal your faithlessness. If you return to God, God will heal your faithlessness. Louis Wyskanski, aged 53, was terminally ill with heart failure. He was desperately sick, 
and his disease was incurable. That is, until the first successful heart transplant in 1967, when Lewis was healed. And if you return to God, he'll heal your heart. Now, your spiritual heart is desperately sick. It suffers from faithlessness, and it's prone to turn away from the God who made you. The disease, sin, is incurable. Except God promises to heal your faithlessness if you return to him. If you acknowledge your guilt, that you've rebelled against the Lord your God, that you've acted like a prostitute, if you admit that you haven't obeyed his voice, well then he'll heal your faithlessness. And no matter what you've done, God will forgive you for all your sins and show you just how much he loves you. God will take away all of your guilt and shame and so teach your heart to trust him and love him as the Lord, your king. And that's the first part of what it means for God's kingdom to come. He'll heal your faithlessness so that God reigns as king in your heart. And so, can I urge you, return to God. Acknowledge your guilt and shame and God will take it away. He'll forgive you for all your sins and he'll transform your heart so that you love him and live the way you were created to live. Now, Italy may not want a monarchy, but God's kingdom is like no other. In his kingdom, faithlessness is healed and second, all nations are blessed. If you return, O Israel, declares the Lord at the beginning of chapter four, to me you should return. If you remove your detestable things from my presence and do not waver, and if you swear as the Lord lives in truth, in justice and in righteousness, then nations shall bless themselves in him and in him shall they glory. In God's kingdom, all nations will be blessed. In the days of King Solomon, that's around 950 BC, the Queen of Sheba travelled up to the land of Israel with her camels bearing spices and gold and precious stones. She came to Jerusalem in order to see the glory of Solomon's kingdom. And she returned with all that she desired. She returned to her own nation, having seen and experienced a kingdom like no other. Well, in God's kingdom, all nations will be blessed like that. People from all nations will come and experience a kingdom like no other. People from all nations will be healed of their faithlessness and will enjoy the blessing of knowing God as their king. If Israel returns to God and he healed their faithlessness, well then all nations would come and be blessed in Israel's king. And the same is true today. Now, I think this is such a cool reason to return to the Lord. This has really struck me. If you return to God and he heals your faithlessness, then more people from the nations will be attracted to God and will come and have their faithlessness healed too. Now, that's what it means for God's kingdom to come. Now, he'll heal your faithlessness so that he reigns as king in your heart. And then, as more people are drawn in and blessed, God will reign as king in their hearts too. 
So again, can I urge you, return to God, because not only will he bless you with the forgiveness of your sins, but as he transforms your heart, he'll bless others through you as well. Uh, You probably know the story. Uh, Paul had turned away from God. He was the worst of sinners, uh, utterly faithless, treacherous. But when the Lord called him and he returned to God, his faithlessness was healed. He was forgiven for all his sins and his life was transformed. And as Paul went about the Eastern Mediterranean in the first century, people from all nations were blessed. People from all nations began to experience the forgiveness of their sins in the kingdom of God. Why would you return to God? Because his kingdom will come. Your faithlessness will be healed and all nations will be blessed. But why would we need to return to God? And perhaps some of us are thinking that We've never acted like a prostitute. We've never turned away from gods to go after other gods. I've never carved an idol. I've never bowed down to Vishnu. I've never prayed to Allah. Why would I need to return to God? And perhaps some of us think that God hasn't sent us away in divorce because we're still here in church. So why would we need to return to God? Well, the people of Judah would have been saying the same thing. Because in the days of King Josiah, there weren't any idols in the land. Josiah had destroyed them all. And the people of Judah were still safe in their land. They hadn't yet been sent away in exile. And so perhaps they, like some of us, would have been asking, why do we need to hear this? Why would we need to return to God? Well, the second half of our answer is this. Because God's judgment is coming. Why would we need to return to God? Because his judgment is coming. The Lord said, according to chapter 4 and verse 5, declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, blow the trumpet through the land, cry aloud and say, Assemble and let us go into the fortified cities. Raise a standard towards Zion. Flee for safety. Stay not. For I bring disaster from the north and great destruction. A lion has gone up from his thicket. A destroyer of nations has set out. He's gone out from his place to make your land a waste. Your cities will be ruins without inhabitants. For this... Put on sackcloth, lament and wail, for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. Return to God because his judgment is coming. If you don't think that you've ever been sent away from God because of your in his judgment, well be warned, because his judgment is coming. In 2012, I was on safari in the Masai Mara, and I suddenly saw a lion in the grass, all of two meters away. A 200 kilograms of muscular power that can devour poor zebras at will. I don't worry, it didn't attack me. But that's the picture that Jeremiah uses to warn Judah of God's judgment. A warrior was coming to destroy the cities of Judah 
and they'd be left in ruins. And that's a picture of God's judgment which is coming on the whole world. Return to God because his judgment is coming. But why would God's judgment come on us? That some of us might be thinking. Now we haven't behaved like prostitutes like some other people have. Now we haven't turned away from God to go after idols like some other people have. So why would God's judgment come on us? Because of our hearts. And because of our rebellious hearts. O Jerusalem, the Lord declares, according to chapter 4 and verse 14, wash your heart from evil that you may be saved. How long shall wicked thoughts lodge within you? God's judgment is coming because of our rebellious hearts. Ruth and I couldn't find a house to rent when we moved to Italy. So we stayed as lodgers for a number of weeks at a kind woman's house. She didn't know how long we might stay there. And the Lord asks us, how long shall your wicked thoughts lodge within you? And personally, I know that I've had unkind, impure, and proud thoughts lodge within me for far too long. And we might look respectable on the outside, but we have evil hearts, don't we? And that's why God's judgment is coming. And actually, if you look long enough, you'll see the evil evil on the outside as well. According to chapter 4 and verse 18, the Lord says, your ways and your deeds have brought this upon you. Unkindness, impurity and pride will all show themselves in one way or another. Whether it's when you're stressed, when you're alone, or when you're with people who aren't like you, your ways and your deeds will show themselves soon enough. And that's why God's judgment is coming. Return to God because his judgment is coming on account of our rebellious hearts. But some of us here might be thinking, this all just sounds like scaremongering, doesn't it? Why is Jeremiah saying all this? Well, like me, Jeremiah wouldn't choose to say this of his own accord. No, like me, he's too scared of how people might respond. He only says these things because God told him to. So we might ask, why would God tell him to say these things about his judgment? I thought God loved us. Well, yes, precisely. God is warning us. He's blowing the trumpet as a warning, because he doesn't want us to have to suffer the judgment we deserve. According to chapter 4 and verse 21, he asks, how long must I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpets? He takes no pleasure in this. God wants us to return to him so that he can heal our faithlessness. He warns us because he loves us. A bit like loving parents warn their children again and again so that they might not have to punish them. God warns us because he loves us. But eventually his judgment must come. God's justice demands it. He can't let us commit evil indefinitely. And that's a big problem. And because our hearts are not only rebellious, but stubborn. 
Declare this in the house of Jacob. The Lord says in chapter 5 and verse 20. I proclaim it in Judah. Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble before me? I place the sand as the boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and gone away. And we have rebellious hearts. God has created all things with boundaries, hasn't he? But our evil hearts know no bounds. God placed the sand as the boundary for the sea. And day after day, the tumultuous sea stays within the boundaries that God put it in. But we overstepped the line. We have turned aside from our path and gone away from the Lord. And But that's not the only problem. And not only are our hearts rebellious, they're also stubborn. And we have ears, but we don't hear what God is saying to us. And like stubborn and rebellious children, we don't listen to his instructions, to his warnings. Uh, thus says the Lord, according to chapter 6 and verse 16. Uh, Stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I set watchmen over you, saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. Therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, and behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it. God's judgment is coming because of our stubborn and rebellious hearts. Not only did we turn aside from the path that God set out for us, but when he blew the trumpet and told us to return, we wouldn't pay attention to his words. When I was growing up, if there was anything that I hated more than being told what to do, it was being told off for what I'd done. We hate it when God calls us to repent, because we have stubborn and rebellious hearts. But that's why we need to repent. Because God's judgment is coming. God's judgment is coming because of our stubborn and rebellious hearts. We need to acknowledge our guilt, that we've rebelled against the Lord our God, that we've acted like a prostitute. We need to admit that we haven't obeyed his voice. We need to return to him before it's too late because God's judgment is coming. I used to meet each week with an army officer to read the book of Zephaniah in the Bible. And we were reading about this judgment of God and the army officer said, the thought of being in a city that's being besieged just terrifies me. Knowing that you're surrounded by enemies and that it's just a matter of time before you're at their mercy... Well, that's the situation that we're in. Because God's judgment is coming on this whole world on account of our stubborn and rebellious hearts. 
Why would you return to God? Well, first, return because his kingdom will come. God will heal your faithlessness. He'll forgive you for all your sins. He'll take away your sin, your guilt, your shame. And he'll transform your heart so that you love him as your king. God's kingdom will come and all nations will be blessed. Through God transforming your heart, more people will be attracted to him and will come and enjoy this blessing of the forgiveness of sins. A return to God because his kingdom will come and return to God because his judgment is coming. We need God to forgive us for our sins. We need him to take away our guilt and shame because his judgment is coming. God's judgment is coming and God's judgment came on the people of Judah. They were captured and carried off into exile in Babylon and their cities were left in ruins as the Lord had warned. And they were left wondering if there was any hope of a return. Would God's kingdom ever come? Well, I don't know how many of them believed God's promise through Jeremiah, but over 500 years later, God raised up another man who said, repent, for the kingdom of, heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus Christ, the king of God's kingdom, has come. In Jesus, our faithlessness can't, can be healed. He can forgive us for all our sins, and he can reign as king in our hearts. I mean, in fact, in Jesus, all nations are being blessed. People from all nations, just like us, have been attracted to him, and he has healed our faithlessness. He's healed the faithlessness of countless millions, and he reigns in our hearts as king. In Jesus, God's kingdom has come, because in Jesus, God's judgment has come. On the cross, Jesus was surrounded by his enemies. He was surrounded by people with stubborn and rebellious hearts. But when he died, isn't this the best news ever? When he died, Jesus suffered the judgment of God on account of our evil hearts. Jesus, the son of God, willingly took the punishment that we deserve so that we might be forgiven. Jesus is that loving husband come to save his wife. Though we'd been faithless like prostitutes, Jesus came to take us back so that we might love him as the faithful bride he always intended us to be, so that he might reign in our hearts. So return to God, because in Jesus, God's kingdom has come. I don't know if you sincerely confess your sins to God, But if we acknowledge our guilt, like many of us here do, if we admit that we've rebelled against him, and if we return to the Lord Jesus Christ, he will heal our faithlessness. And no matter what we've done, he will forgive us for all of our sins, and he will reign as king in our hearts as he started to do. And let's keep returning to him, because through us, he'll bless other people too.
And if Jesus transforms our hearts so that we confess that he's our Lord and Saviour, well, he'll keep drawing other people to come and enjoy this blessing too. And all nations will be blessed in Jesus. But perhaps you're listening and you're one of those people who's never really returned to God because you won't admit that you've ever turned away from him. Or perhaps you are starting to realise that you have been turning away from him and you're wondering whether you should return. Well, do it today. You need to acknowledge your guilt and return to God because his judgment is coming. God's judgment is coming on the whole world. One day, Jesus will return to execute God's judgment on everyone who has not turned back to him. And it will be a terrible day, like a lion devouring its prey. Jesus will return in judgment. And only then will God's kingdom come fully and finally. For Jesus' bride... For those of us who have turned back to him, that day will be a day of healing and universal blessing. It will be the coming of a whole new creation. So return to God because his kingdom will come and because his judgment is coming. So let's pray to him now. Our Father in heaven, and we praise you because of your great love for us. And we're so sorry for how we turned away from you. And we acknowledge our guilt that in our hearts we have been rebellious and stubborn. We admit that we do deserve your judgment. But we thank you so much, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you sent him just like you promised. And we thank you that in him we can be forgiven for all of our sins. And we pray, please would you heal us and from our faithlessness. And please would you continue to bless all nations in the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name and for your glory. Amen.